You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our interview with the writer and director of We the Animals, Jeremiah Zagar. You feel that? Body, body, body. I remember your heart inside me, taking like a bomb. Promise me you'll stay nine forever. How? Simple. You're not ten. Look at us, when we were brothers. We wanted more. everyone you are listening to the next best picture podcast i am matt neglia the editor-in-chief of nextbestpicture.com and today i am being joined by the writer and director of the hit sundance film we the animals jeremiah zagar how are you today jeremiah very well thank you for having me absolutely i'm just going to first start off by saying tremendous film i absolutely loved it when i saw it sundance this year couldn't stop raving about it after uh, its screening. Going up to everyone, just so, so excited. Immediately, I started emailing as many people as I could, trying to figure out who was going to pick this up. And you guys are all set for an August 17th release. So I have to just first of all say congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, Orchard has been doing a beautiful job. I'm very excited. Absolutely. The story follows um, three boys, uh, Manny, Joel, and Jonah, and their relationship with their parents and ultimately uh, their relationship with the world around them, particularly Jonah. And this was uh, previously a um, novel written by Justin Torres. And I wanted to first start off by asking, how did you yourself actually become acquainted with the material? So there's a bookstore um, in Manhattan called McNally Jackson that has like a We Recommend pile. Um, And one day I was wandering around that... um, bookstore and I picked up We the Animals and I read the first page and I was just blown away. Um, and I took the book into their little cafe and didn't pay for it and read it right there. Um, then I went and bought five copies and I, uh, gave one to my producer and I gave one to, um, my co-writer Dan and and the book is so unbelievable um and I just loved it so much and I called Justin and I and I um I had uh drinks with him and I told him how I wanted to make the movie and it sounded good to him and we were off to the races well that's fantastic to hear um the writing process for adapting uh the book into uh the screen version what what was that process like working alongside Dan how do you guys divvy up uh do you guys do it by chapter or do you take certain sections um well the first thing we did was we just translated the book to screenplay format (laughs) (laughs) you know it was like we love the book so much that we didn't want to change a thing um and we sort of followed that ethos throughout the um, throughout the process. That you know, it was supposed to be a translation and not an adaptation. And that you know, we wanted to keep Justin as involved as possible. So he read every draft, um, and he was involved every step through the editing, um, and he was on set during the uh, the shoot. Um, and Dan, you know, the other thing is, I'm not. Um, uh, a queer man, um, but Dan is, and um, it was very important that we had that perspective 
clearly represented for the film because, um, you know, that's a, the very large part of the, of the book and the film. Well, it's very interesting because that uh, reminds me very much of uh, Terrell McQuainy and uh, um, Barry Jenkins from Moonlight and how both of them being writing partners, one of them, uh, like you said, being queer and presenting that perspective. And Barry Jenkins goes on to uh, direct the film ultimately and huge, huge success, obviously, on the independent circuit. Your film has been compared very much to Moonlight as well as uh, the Florida Project, the Tree of Life, even so, some Malik comparisons there. But who were you, who were your influences uh, when directing We the Animals? And the largest influence on We the Animals is um, Ben Ramsey's Rat Catcher. Oh, fantastic! And I think Ben Ramsey is like the greatest filmmaker, one of them alive for sure. Oh. Um, yeah. Did you see? Uh, you, you were never really here yet. I loved it. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I, lo- I mean, I, every time I watch one of her movies, I'm just like, ah. Oh, I bowed down. You, you are the best. <laughs> um, and uh, and I think you know she dealt with sexuality um, in a way in that film that uh, really blew me away. Um, but also she did this thing which she, she calls it poetic social realism. And um, you know I, I, I like to think of ours as sort of poetic commercial social realism, but sure. it, it employs you know the, the same social realistic you know tropes, but uses commercial stylistic elements like percussive editing, um, you know, and very music driven moments um, that, you know, are much more common in commercial filmmaking. You know, it's funny, I'm actually looking at my notes from my screening when I saw the film back at Sundance. And one of the things I do have written down in big, big, big letters is cinematography, music and editing. So it's really, really funny to hear you say that out loud, because I, I have to say, I was truly blown away by how well put together the film was um, from all three of those aspects. Um, I thought the music was absolutely exquisite. The cinematography was lush and vibrant and really gave the film a warm, uh, but yet also at times fantastical sort of feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the pacing of the film is just really, really impeccable. The collaborators that you have uh, for those departments specifically, um, how did you go about getting them on board and what was it like working with them on this? Well, those are all relationships that I've built over years. So, you know, I've worked with uh, Zach Mulligan, who's the DP for years. Um, and um, Nick Zamuto scored my first film, um, uh, in a dream. Um, and, uh, my editor Keiko Deguchi and I have made three films together now. We, she, she edits all the movies I do. Um, and you know, so, so those relationships are built over time and, and, you know, we speak to each other in a sort of second hand, um, and, and we build the movie together. You know, there's like a misnomer that the director, um, you know, does all the work. It's like, it's all these people. It's, you know, they, they, they are the, they are the beating heart of the movie, all of the crew and the actors. And like, you know, it's such a collaborative process and, you know, to make that process really sing on screen and really work, you, you know, you have to have a familiar relationship with all those people. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, and I mean, I see that you had in a dream was released in 2008. Here we are 10 years later with Weavy animals, but you've done a lot of work in between during that time, uh, a lot of shorts, um, some, some documentary work as well. Um, what was it like, though, in terms of like securing the funding for Weedy Animals? And just take me through the process of anybody out there that may be listening that's an independent filmmaker, what, was, what it was like to try and get this film off the ground? Well, it started with the IFP labs, who were the first people to um, 
to recognize the script. Yeah. And then it went to the Sundance Labs. Um, and, you know, they really helped us get the script to a place that, um, that it was readable for financiers. And um, then Cinereach came on, um, who was sort of our dream financier as, um, for, with development funds. And we worked on it together. I mean, they worked through probably eight to ten drafts of the script with me and Justin and Dan and Jeremy um, and Christina. And we all, we all got to a place where we felt really excited about the script. And once we were there, um, Cinereach came in with full funding. Um, so we were incredibly lucky in that way that, you know, they, they really, they really championed the film and took it on. I, I don't know if there's any other funding entities, you know, that are quite like them. You know, they, they give final cuts to the director, um, and just a tremendous amount of autonomy and also a tremendous amount of love and support that, you know, I think is, is, uh, you know, rare. Yeah. No, no, it definitely is. Uh, how long was that whole process, uh, from the time the script, uh, entered the IFP to, Ultimately, first day of shooting. I think it was about three years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been yeah, living yeah. with this material for quite some time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sad to, you know, not be living with it so much anymore. You know, it's like, you, I love the filmmaking process. And, um, and when the process is over, you kind of, you, you have to mourn it. You mourn the loss of that thing that you were doing all 24-7. Well, I've heard it equated to kind of letting a child go off to college in a way. You know, it's not necessarily, it, it may feel like a loss, but it, it belongs now to the rest of the world at that point, And it's got to find its way, you know. Uh, and I feel like with this film in particular, I mean, if the word of mouth, like I said, if it was anything to go by, uh, the way people were reacting to it after seeing it, um, hopefully that this film will find its audience. I, I certainly want it to. Speaking of which, uh, this film has uh, a, a small cast of, uh, of, of actors involved, but very, very vital and very important, too, to making sure that the uh, story is told um, in the manner in which you want to tell it. Can you tell me what it was like, uh, from a casting uh, standpoint, getting Raul Castillo uh, Josiah Gabriel, Isaiah Christian's, uh, Christian, Sheila Vand, and uh, uh, I mean the ultimate discovery, Evan Rosado. Oof, man! <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. They're all amazing. I mean, we cast. We spent. Um, we spent a year and a half casting um, the three young leads. Um, Isaiah and Josiah came first, um, and um, Evan came much later. Um, was that just because of how crucial the role was, or? Yeah, we couldn't we couldn't go go forward with the movie without him. Yeah, you know, and and Jonah was such a specific character and such a specific talent, and um, and it really had to be the right kid, and and, and um, you know, they all had to be the right kids, and we just happened to find the, the Manny and Joel first, and we just couldn't make it until we had the most, you know, perfect Jonah, and then we found him, um, and he was at the Puerto Rican Day Parade, and we. Uh, we, uh, he came in with his mom. And, and the other thing is like, you know, the kids are amazing, but their parents are amazing too. Oh because, yeah. You know, they, they raise these kids and they, and they also, they also, you know, make sure that, that they're safe and that they're taken care of in this, you know, very, you know, difficult process. Um, and through it, they take them through it. And then we had this incredible acting coach that worked with them, this woman named Noelle Gentile, and she was just amazing. Well, that's really cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, it must present a, a lot of challenges, I would imagine, on set working primarily with children. I mean, that's the point of view that the story is told through, and they are ultimately the embodiment of the title of the film, We the Animals. 
of the animals being uh, the, the, the three uh, brothers. What, what, what were you doing on like times where you couldn't have necessarily them for the whole day, I imagine? Uh, so what, what did you do to kind of fill up your block of time when the kids weren't necessarily around? Well, I mean, that was the, the beauty of having Raul and Sheila. I mean, not only, you know, are they just like superlative, amazing actors, I think like, you know, some of the best working today, but, um, but we were able to shoot the scenes, break up the day so that, so that we could shoot scenes with the parents alone and then scenes with the kids alone. So we could shoot coverage of the parents without the kids. Mm. Um, and then we could shoot the kids without the parents. And, you know, a lot of people ask like, you know, how crazy, you know, they say like, Oh, it's so crazy. You shot this movie on film with kids, you know, I think, you know, kids need lots of takes, but the truth is kids don't need many takes at all. And they're only really, they're only really good for, you know, three to four takes because they start to get exhausted afterwards. You yeah. know? So like, you know, it's not that you have the kids for not enough time. It's just, you need to figure out how to manage their time. And when you're managing their time correctly, they always give you, you know, amazing performances if they're cast correctly. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely understand that. Um, shooting on film. Uh, your decision, ultimately, I imagine, uh, where, where did that come from? Because in this day and age, I mean, primarily digital is, you know, kind of the go-to for a lot of people. Um, from an aesthetic standpoint, why, why, why film uh, for this project? From an aesthetic standpoint, you know, the film was meant to be a fever dream. And it was meant to be a fever dream that took place in the past. And, and you know, every format has an emotional vernacular attached yeah. to it. So, you know, when we see black and white, we think of, you know, the fifties or, you know, if, if we see, you know, this black and white grainy at, you know, 18 frames per second, we think of the twenties. And, you know, when we see things in technicolor, we think of, you know, the seventies. So it's like, it all has error attached to it. And we wanted to give it that timeless feel of nostalgia that you could be like, Oh, that's that, you know, Kodachrome feel. That's, that's, that, that's that vibe. This feels like the past. Yeah. Um, so, so that's one thing, but also I think, you know, it also, it also reminds us of that dream state, you know, film has the quality of a dream state, um, that, um, I just, I just don't feel it with digital, you know, I, I've never feel, it feels like, it feels like reality, you know, it's a main digital, it feels like reality TV or something. And, you know, this, this thing had to be big and beautiful and textural and tangible and you, you needed to be able to feel the grain. Like I wanted the audience to be able to reach it into the screen and touch that grain. Um, and, you know, with the animation in the film, it's the same concept. I mean, the, the paper grain in the animation is vital. It's like the, 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 the movie is so intimate and visceral that you really needed that textural essence for the audience to feel close to it. Well, I definitely think you certainly succeeded with that. Uh, you pretty much summed up exactly word for word what my reaction was walking out of the film. Uh, so, hey, uh, definitely I think you achieved that goal for sure. Um, if you don't mind me asking, because like you said, you know, you, you feel that this film is now um, a, you know, out there. It's part of the world. You know, you're moving on from it. Um, if you're allowed to say, do you have any other projects right now that you're working on at this time? Yeah, I mean, I'm working with all the same people that I've been working with for the last 10 years and, and on this project, you know, so um, I'm doing, uh, working on another movie with Raul and, um, and uh, Justin, a TV show with Justin and uh, a movie with Dan, my co-writer and, you know, Jeremy, is, you know, we, we have the company together. So we're working on all of these, 
different um, television shows and movies. I mean, it's really like feels like a little factory at the at the office right yeah. now. Um, it's very it's really exciting, like, like a little family unit almost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's great. That's really really uh, honestly that's heartwarming to hear, and I hope people too uh, feel the same way when they walk out of seeing Weedy Animals, which is playing. Once again, August 17th uh, in theaters. It probably will get a wide release sometime, I would imagine, after that. That's right, yeah. It's going to roll out. Yeah. Hey, man, thank you so much for spending time uh, with me and talking about this film. I truly, truly believe it is a special one and one that I hope uh, definitely uh, does very, very well this year. I I have a hunch it will. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. No problem. You have a nice day. You too. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to my interview with the writer and director of We the Animals, Jeremiah Zagar. We the Animals is releasing in theaters on August 17th and will be expanding hopefully wide after that, but it needs your support, so if it's playing by you, do go see it in theaters. You can subscribe to the Next Best Picture podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and also on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, let us know what you think of the show. And also, if you're feeling generous, head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you can subscribe and get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Hey Hey there! there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Sleepover Cinema, Cinema. our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.